Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and on the show today, we have Avaya's Chief Human Resources Officer, Anna Marie Crowley. Anna Marie is here to talk all about the best ways to keep employees engaged in a work-from-anywhere world. Anna Marie, welcome to the show. Anna, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, how are you? Good. In the post-pandemic work environment, many organizations are continuing flexible work policies that offer employees the freedom to work how it works for them in hybrid models or just full remote. How have these new styles of working impacted the job you do as human resources officer at Avaya? Multiple ways, I have to say. Some of it more from a logistics perspective, but also just looking at it as a holistic offering for our employees because everything shifted. And in many ways, it's a good thing. We're able to navigate our work-life balance a little bit better. It doesn't mean that you have it balanced 50-50. It's more about being able to fit things into the day that you wouldn't necessarily be able to previously just because you were in an office environment. So it wasn't quite so easy. But it's really made us step back and think about how do we navigate it for the employees as well? Because you can get immersed to the point that you become ineffective because you're so overwhelmed because managing that distance between the work environment and the home environment can be very difficult, as I'm sure everybody listening knows that. It's also about connecting the dots to the work environment and making sure people are aligned on what's needed, for example, what are their goals and their objectives? It's different when you're in an office and you can pop down to the boss and just check in on something or vice versa. So really clarifying the expectations, which has been probably more difficult when it came to onboarding. A lot of people onboarded during the pandemic. Sure. Right. So they haven't even met their coworkers once. Mm -hmm. And ensuring that they know exactly what they've joined up for is part of the difficulty that we have with people these days, because it's more about the interpretation they have from the recruiter and the hiring manager, but really getting into the detail of what's expected of me right from day one Mm -hmm. is a lot more complicated. And even not just day one, but week one, month one, it's making sure that people know who to go to, to get answers when they're a bit lost, a bit confused. And even if you're not new, I think that still is something that we're working towards setting goals and setting the objectives, ensuring that there's constant performance conversations so people feel they're valued and the work is being recognized Mm -hmm. given how much people are putting in. Because I do believe a lot of the time we're putting more in these days. We've moved away from an eight hour a day work cycle and that's fine. Some people putting in 14 (laughs) crazy hours, maybe on a Monday and Tuesday and saying, because Friday I've got something else on, I'm only going to do a few hours here and there. And I think that is a very valuable thing for everybody, but it comes with the requirement of trust and learning as leaders also to be more flexible and knowing Mm -hmm. that if the work is getting done, that's what's key. You have to have that flexibility. 
And so keeping everyone engaged, making sure they're aligned and making things continue to move with speed and agility is critically important. And that only comes with trust, to be quite frank. That comes from constantly communicating. At this point, I don't think you can over-communicate. We're very lucky in Avaya with our new CEO, there's constant Mm -hmm. transparent communication. And that helps us because we know where we are and where we're going. And it keeps us on track Mm -hmm. and hopefully keeps everyone facing the same direction. And that's the sense of team. It's harder to create virtually Although I've been surprised by the strength of the team relationships that I've seen develop and me with my own team develop over the course of the last two years, mm-hmm. even if just on video. But it's critical to us because we do want to become a destination place to work. And that means we need to not only look attractive from a brand perspective, but also just from the feedback from our employees that they feel that it's a place they'd want their friends and family to know about and maybe work in as well. And that only comes from feeling comfortable and feeling connected. We talk a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. The belonging is key. If you Mm -hmm. don't feel you belong, it's very hard to feel that you are a part of a team, whether it's your local functional team or a wider team. And so creating that opportunity for people to feel they fit in. And that takes a lot, particularly from a leader's perspective. It's about understanding the different nuances of people's personalities. Not everyone's an extrovert. Mm -hmm. So if you're on global calls, it's about making sure that everyone gets their say, because it's very easy to sit on mute and sit in the background. But it's also not about calling them out. It's about making it comfortable and ensuring there's different modes of communication available to them. And that's why using all our different technologies becomes vitally important as well so that they can connect to whom they need to connect Mm -hmm. to, but also in a mode that makes sense for them. And I do think we've been doing a good job of it, but like every other HR department, like every other business, it's been a huge learning curve. And we haven't got it all right and we're still learning and that's why we go out with surveys sometimes just to understand what are we getting right where do we need to improve because it's a constant learning for the whole globe at this point i would say yeah you mentioned something so as i've been back on the road i've met a lot of colleagues that we onboarded and hired during the pandemic and i always have this joke of like it's nice to meet you in 3d because everybody that we've met has been this little 2D video window. So it's nice to see people and meet them in 3D. And hey, you're actually a person. You're not an AI. And there was another thing you mentioned that I think is important. And I've always kind of operated with this concept of work-life balance is, is almost mm-hmm. fallacy, right? Because yes. it, it infers a couple of things. Number one, it infers an era gone by of I punch in at nine, I'm done at five, And it also kind of infers this idea that I have these dual identities. I'm this person from nine to five, and I'm this person (laughs) from off hours. And in the reality is we're all one people. And I've always subscribed to the idea of work-life integration. And I think that's what you really described of, I just make the pieces all fit. Because ultimately work is something that I do. It's not somewhere I go. And the idea of not just the eight-hour shift being antiquated, but the contiguous eight-hour shift being antiquated around with time zone differentials. And I really saw this a lot during the pandemic where my West Coast colleagues would ask, hey, can you support a call? And it was off hours or whatever else for me on the East Coast. 
you make things fit. And that's really the best way as an employee, I've found satisfaction. And now as a team leader, one of the things I've tried to build into my team is, look, we're all adults. We're focused here on productivity, to your point, creating that trusting environment where I don't need to know where you are. If I call you and you're away from your desk, that's okay, right? I, I just need the information you have, not the location where you are. And I think it's important to balance employee expectations and the need for that work-life integration with the needs of the business. Gartner believes that 25% of the global knowledge workforce is going to choose to work from home as their primary workplace. And 45% of the workforce will be working remotely two to three days a week. What do you think the long-term impact of this trend is going to be with regards to talent acquisition and retention? Everything you just said is spot on. Just before the pandemic, I don't know if you remember this, the journalist, it was BBC and he was doing a live broadcast and yeah, the kid came in. That was worldwide news that the kid came in, right? And had to be pulled out by the wife. And I think about it now and there's not a day goes by where there's not some chaos happening on the end of someone's phone. And we all accept it. Mm-hmm. It's okay because it's your whole self. And you actually find yourself starting to ask, well, how's the cat? Where's the cat today, et cetera. So for me, it's about exactly what you said. It's embracing that, the whole self, making things work. And I think that brings a sense of power, if you like. It's a sense mm-hmm. of empowerment to the employee that I can navigate this however I want to. And I agree with you on the work-life balance. It's not 50-50, it's not nine to five and then I'm something else. Now it's about, I have this chunk of time, I need to achieve the following in my personal and my professional life and I'll figure that out. And as long as people are doing that, that's critical, right? And I always believe in trusting people till they give you reason not to. So I think going forward as we try to attract talent and we look at retention as well. It is going to be a little bit of making sure people are available to work from wherever, because that's what people are going to look for. From an HR perspective, sometimes you have the difficulty of thinking about tax implications for that individual that they don't necessarily think of because, oh, I'll go off and work from here for the next six months. And that doesn't always work out legally, let's say, from a tax perspective. Sure. But ensuring that people feel that they have the opportunity to navigate as best they can, to do as much as they can for themselves. I think then they do put more into their work. Then you're more fully focused because, again, you feel that this has been in your control. And so I think we will continue down the path of probably hybrid more than anything, if I'm totally honest. I think... The fully remote doesn't suit everybody and Mm -hmm. it's important for people to have a choice. Now, I'm probably one of them, actually, where I'm more of an extrovert and I get my energy from other people. And so I need that connectivity and an office on occasion just to ground me and bounce my ideas. So offering people the best of both worlds is key when it comes to attracting talent. That ability to say, right, there's an office, but that office needs to be great too. Again, that's something Mm -hmm. that Alan is very aware of, that he wants us to really create some great offices where it's a joy to go in and there's amenities and there's the ability to collaborate and have fun. At the same time, then I can go off and I can take a few days and work from home and do what I need to do there. So all those pieces of the puzzle are what's going to make it critical to manage that flexibility in the workplace going forward and ensure that we both retain as well as attract our employees going forward. I think this empowers 
a lot of things. I just read an article about the spread of RSV and the impact it's having with schooling because a lot of school nurses are wrestling with presenteeism. Yeah. And I was hoping that was going to be the one sustaining thing, not QR codes, they're great, but the one (laughs) sustaining thing to come from the pandemic was the end of presenteeism, somebody showing up hacking and coughing all over the place. We have the tools to do this. I'm with you. You cannot beat the in-person experience when it's meaningful, right? I don't want my team to truck themselves to an office, to lock themselves in a cube or in an office and spend eight hours on video. It's got to have purpose. It's got to have meaning. But we also can really empower a lot of hidden pockets in the workforce when you encourage and create that trusted environment to say, look, if your kids are sick, work from home. If you're sick- Don't come in, work from home. Exactly. I don't want your germs. That's not the collaboration I need, right? So when you think about the alternate styles of work, I've always said pre-pandemic, we were ahead of the curve. The hard part for me wasn't the actual get the office set up at home. It was not being on the road because I'm so used to being on the road with people. We were way ahead of this from a technology perspective. How do we use our own solutions, in your view, to enable Mm -hmm. employees to work remotely pre-pandemic And how do you think it's working out today, post-pandemic? It's interesting because we've obviously decided we're the same person and we need that (laughs) connectivity and all the rest of it. But I think before the pandemic, we had the ability to work remotely. We had spaces. We didn't use it as much. And I remember being on calls and people are like, why are we not using spaces? And it wasn't so important in that moment because I'd see you. So I was just dialing in. But... The ability to dial in, I used to find very useful, even if sometimes I was having to race, like you said, I was in the US and I'd be running home to get the kids from school and drop them back and then get back to the office and your head would be spinning trying to do both things and you're feeling the pressure to be back, right? But having the ability to dial in and as simple as that from the car was fantastic, hands-free, but ability, I already appreciated because I hadn't had it previously. This was very new to me. Mm -hmm. When video conferencing started, I was like, I'm not sure what I think about this. And more because, especially when you first start, you can't stop obsessing about what you look like. (laughs) And you're looking at yourself and not looking at your customers or team or whatever. And it's a learning in that respect. And you're too busy worrying, oh gosh, I look awful. Oh, I didn't know that did that. And my hair needs cutting or whatever it is going on. Or maybe that's just me. But I think it was a transition, right? And what I loved is I'd moved back to Ireland mid-pandemic and I was able to do that because of our technology. I had the relationships, I could use spaces, I could navigate any time zone. And I'm amazed actually how easy it has been to build those relationships. What I watched was my friends here and family struggling They came from environments where it was absolutely alien to them. And they were trying to figure out who do we go with? How do we get this technology? What if it's not secure? How do you use it? Even etiquette was something new that we fell into, I think, very quickly because we were already more habituated to it. So Mm -hmm. I do think that we utilized our tools very, very well. I think we managed to navigate our way through very quickly and we continue to. Every time we add a function, the functionality has been brilliant, particularly the noise cancellation, which 
I always need with my very large dog. The only unfortunate thing is he comes and gives a huge bark and I jump out of my seat and I just look like a complete crazy person because no one heard anything but me. I hear you. <laughs> it's really useful. But I think we've done a phenomenal job and the fact we've managed to continue to develop it over the last year or so as well. It's been of great use anyway, because it's not that we've just stood still and said, this is good enough. We've said, okay, let's continue. Let's keep driving forward. And my favorite thing is though, when I meet people in person, which I haven't yet met you in person, I don't think, Steve, but I've met a few people and I honestly thought they were going to be giants and they were the same height as me, which is not that tall. And you have this impression of what someone will look like. And I had one person introduced to me. And when the other individual said, this is, and I won't say the name, this is so-and-so, I said, no, it's not. Because in my head, it didn't look like I expected from the shoulders down, let's say. You just get this impression, is somebody six foot 10 or is somebody five foot two? And you create that imagination, right? So it's fun. And I enjoy that aspect, actually. And I think the fact that we've embraced these technologies pre-pandemic, when you're on an airplane, they always say, if the masks drop, put yours on first before you help somebody else. You got to take care of yourself before you take care of somebody else. Yeah. We were able to transition very quickly because we were so useless. We had already had the mask on our face. Yeah. So we were able to help others as they were dealing with this. And as we look to the future of work and as we've emerged from the pandemic at this point, there are big time advantages, in my opinion, around enabling a flexible workforce from a retention and a recruitment standpoint, because now I'm not trying to find somebody that lives within a certain metro. I have the widest access to a giant talent pool. Exactly. And I can really go out there and find a lot of, like I said, hidden pockets in the economy, the labor workforce especially with some of our customers, that finding staff to support your contact center can be a challenge when you're looking within a certain region or a certain geo, or even just financially. What advantages do you see as an HR leader in these flexible work models, especially when it comes to acquisition? You actually just named them all. So yeah, again, you should be working oh. with me. <laughs> it really is down to that. It's giving us the opportunity to go outside smaller talent pools and look elsewhere and look in places where we might not have as much competition. And that's not something that we even had the opportunity to do before. And it opens up opportunities for people that might be housebound or restricted by their movement. And that is also a great advantage when it comes to inclusion. The mm -hmm. people that it might have been impossible to, let's say, get into the Morristown, New Jersey office and navigate everything just from a physical perspective now, well, that's fine. You can be anywhere and be in your home where you are set up to accommodate your needs. And that's fine by us. And so it's offering us a huge pool of talent that we wouldn't necessarily been able to touch on as effectively before. And people work, as you said, different time zones for us. Regardless, we navigate however we need to navigate. And I think having this technology is another piece of that tool when it comes to recruitment, that people will select what hours they're comfortable with. Whereas before you were really picking in region to fit your hours. Now it's like, well, actually we could go elsewhere and the hours are almost irrelevant if that person is comfortable working the hours to suit whatever the requirements of their customer, their client, their leader or whatever it is. And I think in that respect, it's opened up a myriad of opportunities from a talent pool perspective. 
as I said, you really did mention them all already. Thank you very much. But that's the key for us. It's just opening it up to diversity as well. And I think outside of even thinking outside of a buyer, just thinking from a socioeconomic perspective globally, that opens up regions and in the case of the US states that wouldn't necessarily have had the opportunity before. So as a people leader, I think one of the areas that you guys have done a great job is to your point, we need to build a trusting environment because I'm not walking around people's shoulders and cubicles and looking in on people. I'm really pivoting into productivity and really focusing on what's your output, not when did you do it, how often, how long did it take you to do it? Frankly, I don't even care about that stuff. If you got it great down, great. Yeah. But I think to create that trusting environment as a leader requires coaching. It's not just giving you the tools. It's also coaching you on how to use them and to be creative in how you do it. So one of the things I do with my team, and I need to be more religious on this, I hold office hours where I just open up my bridge and if somebody needs to drop by, they can. And the first time I did it, I think I had one or two people wander in and it was like, hi, bye. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize this was actually live. And over time, more and more people use it. And I think it's one of those areas that it's not just the tools but it's training the people leaders on how to use them to create that trusted environment. I know you guys have put a lot of work into enabling employees and staff with different trainings and LinkedIn learnings. What do you see the future of that looking like? And further, do you see a future where it's fully remote or do you see a future where we basically live in this hybrid model? The immediate future is I'm definitely going to drop into your bridge just to be annoying one day. <laughs> and Please then... <laughs> do. Please do. But I think we definitely need to continue to develop on that particular area. Not everybody is comfortable still. And some people are still uncomfortable with not being on camera. And that's fine. What I found interesting recently, I've heard people being quite annoyed about someone not being on camera. And there has to be a level of understanding, A, whether it's a comfort thing or sometimes people have actually dialed in from somewhere really inopportune, really out of their own hours, but to be respectful and be there. So I think some of it is about we probably need to dig deeper into setting new etiquette. 25 years or so ago, we would have been worrying about telephone etiquette and office etiquette and mm -hmm. meeting etiquette. Now, really, we haven't given it much thought, but you do come across certain things on calls where it's coming late. You should wait for the moment to say, I'm here, I'm sorry, I'm late, rather than just talk over people or yeah. put it in the chat. And there's lots of development required around that in order to create something more standard and consistent in the way we navigate the calls and how things are set up. So I think that needs to happen. We need to continue the development. And a good point you've made in this is just because we're remote, development shouldn't stop. We should always be on top of that. I do believe that we will probably, as a globe, in fact, I hope, if I'm honest, that we will always maintain a level of office time and that hybrid. The more people are disconnected from each other, the tougher it gets. And I recently traveled to meet some of our international team and the difference it makes spending actual time with people in person is huge. So maybe it's even the businesses, ourselves, of course, included, start to think about budgeting each year that everyone gets to have at least one team event where they actually can connect and spend time because it does change. I hate to say it, mm -hmm. but you realize your own biases 
When mm-hmm. you've actually connected with someone and made that personal connection, you do tend to flex more. You tend to trust more. It's just human nature, right? So I hope that we maintain the hybrid. It gives people flexibility. Some people would choose to go in all day, every day. And for some, it's a requirement. So not everyone has a safe environment and they need somewhere to go. And that should be respected as well. Sure. For others, they would prefer to be home all the time. I would love to think that on occasion, though, there'd be that individual connectivity that they would enjoy. I think it's healthy and the world would become one big AI pot if we start losing all connectivity. A lot of my friends and family have very small kids and post-COVID they're struggling with connecting with people. Young people that are just joining the workforce from college now and they've maybe come into the pandemic and onboarded that way. I'm sad because In the old days, we'd have our holiday parties and after work going out and whatever it was, all those things are kind of missing right now. And for many, that is a wonderful part of the social side of work. Mm -hmm. So it's about trying to find some kind of happy medium with that. And we're not there yet because we're only just coming out the other side and not every country is even out the other side of the pandemic still a lot of concern, right? And we have a lot of other difficult social situations going on in the world right now. So it's trying to navigate all that and find our way. But ultimately, I would hope that we maintain the need to connect with other human beings and at least on an occasional basis, And but that we have that flexibility on an ongoing basis from remote. As a society, what I've found is we get seduced by the present. During the pandemic, it was, it's always going to be this way. We're always going to be in front of a video camera, sitting at our desk for eight hours. And the idea of mobility became forgotten. It was almost like a forgotten language that use your cell phone as a part of your daily driver. Before that, it was the seduction of the presence of, well, it's always going to be this way. We're always going to be in the office, eight to five, five days a week. And the answer, in my opinion, always falls in the middle. It's never as good or as bad as it feels. I think Simon Sinek actually had an interesting line in one of his chats. He talked about when you first fall in love, it's like, I'm in love. It's always going to be this way. And (laughs) it's just not right. Life kind of stretches and ebbs and flows. And I think the workplace of the future, to your point, really has purposeful engagement, getting people together. You cannot beat the fabric that gets woven through those in-person sessions. Yeah, But just driving people to a physical location for the sake of driving them there and then they spend eight hours in their office on a video call, that's not building anything, right? So I think the future lies there. When we've been talking about remote work, we've been mostly talking about recruitment. What about retainment? How does a flexible working environment help you retain your all-star employees? And we've talked a lot about attracting new ones, but how do you really focus in on retaining the best employees and how does the flexible work environment do you think empower that? That's when it comes down to the, you just said the word empowerment, that people feeling trusted. If you don't feel you're trusted and you don't feel empowered, quite frankly, it's it's like the micromanager. You don't feel trusted if somebody is, to your point, looking over the quad to see what you're doing eight hours a day. It's a horrible feeling. Mm -hmm. And so feeling like, I hate to say it in this terms, but it's almost like feeling like an adult. I'm doing this job because I want to do this job. So let me do it. And I might do it differently from you, but as long as I get it done. And I once coached a girl, she was a leader in finance. This was many moons ago in a different company, but she was very frustrated with one of her employees and he ended up resigning. And we talked about it and I said, where did it go wrong? 
And she said, I don't know. He was good at it. He always did what he needed to do, but I didn't like the way he did it. And I said, well, why not? And she said, well, it's not the way I would have done it. So I'm like, uh-oh. She's like, what? And I'm like, okay. So he was getting his work right. He was getting it done on time. He was effective, but he just didn't do it your way. Is that what you're saying? And I think the penny kind of dropped. <laughs> and my point is he left, unfortunately for her. It was a good lesson for her. And she's gone on to much better things since. But I think he left because he didn't feel empowered. He didn't feel trusted. And he felt like what he was doing wasn't appreciated. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you feel like they want me in the office to prove I'm working. If you're producing, you shouldn't have to prove that you're actually working. But you can't gauge it that way, right? And there's things that I'm strong on and that I'm weak on. And that's what teamwork's about, is being able to share that about and using other people's strengths. And so I think for me, it all comes down to the same premise of trust and allowing people to feel empowered to do their best, doing the thing they enjoy, and then recognize the fact that they did it and they did it effectively. And who cares whether they did it at two o'clock in the morning on the veranda mm -hmm. while they were stroking their dog? Who cares? That's irrelevant. But that's a lesson for some leaders to struggle with, to be quite frank. And some businesses, it's just not the way it's done. Of course, some businesses can't work that way. It depends if you're in a factory production line. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you're not going to be sitting out on your veranda with one little piece of your piece of the production <laughs> line. But where it's possible, it's absolutely vital to allow that flexibility and give people the trust and empowerment to manage their own days. And I think that is what's going to also retain people. Um, the key right now, and we're finding this very much in Avaya at the moment, and you'll see many of the tech companies are in a similar situation, is exhaustion. There's a lot of people because it's taken us a long time to figure out. I had one lady that works with me and the hours she sends mails at and a few of us asked her, do you ever sleep? <laughs> she said she goes to the bathroom at night and she passes and sees there's a mail and she can't stop herself answering. And then somebody will always answer because somewhere in the world, someone's awake, right? But it's learning how to navigate that. It's learning how to set your own boundaries. But from a leader's perspective, it's our job to allow people to set those boundaries. The key is that you know what your goals are, you know what your objectives are, you know what's needed. And how you do that, I trust you. And that's why I hired you. And that is what will retain people. When they feel they're not getting that respect, they don't feel trusted, they don't feel empowered, and they're struggling to navigate the expectations with their own balance, I think that's when we start losing people. And it's a real tightrope that we're walking at the moment. But it's ongoing learning. And as a team, we're determined to keep pushing in the right direction. And it's not just the employee that needs the training. It's also the leader. And I'll tell you, I'm consciously incompetent at this. I know, and I'm trying to do better at this because you get promoted. Typically, it's because you're a good individual contributor. You've kind of performed and then somebody promotes you to a leadership role. But that's an entirely different muscle set. It's an entirely different yes, skill set. it is. And I catch myself from time to time. And I remember the Steve Jobs quote of, we hire smart people to teach us, not for us to teach them. Yeah. If I do something one way and somebody else is doing it a different way, I've consciously caught myself saying, let's see how this goes, right? That's work. And that's the training isn't just on the employee side. It's also on the leader side, even frankly, more so on the leader side. So that's a great insight that you had there. The fact that you recognize that 
is half the battle done and dusted. But leaders, there's so many thoughts you have to have. And you're right, an individual contributor is very different to leading. And people choose to follow you. You can't give yourself a title and therefore we'll follow. The title means nothing. So having what you just said, your self-awareness and you can't beat humility. That's critical in leadership. And I can tell you now, every one of my team is a damn sight smarter than I am. And I would be in so much trouble. And I know my weaknesses and it's really important to know your weaknesses and embrace them. Right. That's the key is embracing it. My weakness is structure. It's an absolute disaster. But I have several people on my team and one of them says she nails my clouds to the ground. And it's true. Like I'll have some idea that I think is flipping genius. It might or not be. But once I've had the idea, that's the end of me. I feel like my day's work's done. (laughs) Whether it ever happens or not is neither here nor there. But they will actually take it and make it happen. And so I'm only as good as my people. I'm only as successful as they will allow me to be and help me to be. And I think that's the key in this. And that's why for me, when I look at my team and they're spread all over the globe and I work from home, obviously where I am in Ireland, but I've hired such great people that are so smart and they make up for all my gaps that I honestly don't care where they are or what they're doing, as long as they are healthy, happy, fine and know that I'm here, my bridge is open, metaphorically speaking, whenever they need me, then it will work. And I encourage that all the way. And leaders have to have the mindset as well of something we talked about last week, actually, there's a great quote I once heard, and I live by this as a leader. And it's that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. And we assume intent. Unfortunately, humans, we assume malintent nearly all the time. So it's a big lesson because when you're virtual, it's even more difficult to keep that in mind because every email can be misinterpreted. Yes, I'll do that for you can be interpreted as, yes, I'll do that for you. Oh, heart and a half. Or yes, I'll do that for you. I hate you. (laughs) We read everything with the tone, right? (laughs) But we do. We read even our emails with the tone because we decided what the intention of that email is. And we might be so off track. So a big piece for me, especially when it comes to trust, is always trust first. Always consider that the intention is well-intended. Only if you are proven wrong in those, then you have a concern and then you look at tackling the problem. Is it performance management, whatever it is. But if we go in with this poor expectation of others, we won't be disappointed because we will drive them down that road and it will be our fault, but we won't see it. Thanks again to Anna Marie for coming on the show and talking about how to keep employees engaged in a work from anywhere world. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.